What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast brought to you by Sofa Sports Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and on this week's edition, we'll be looking back at the international break, discussing how Italy got on. We'll be looking ahead to week 29's Serie A fixtures and touching on some of the other major talking points to have come out of Italy in the last week or so. Joining me, as always, are my two uh, regulars and Italian football experts, Tommy Milanese and uh, Vittorio Campanile. Uh, welcome again, guys. Tommy, first of all, how are you doing? Doing amazing, man. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. Mr. Vittorio, how are you, sir? I think I'm not great as Tommy. I mean, uh, with all those <laughs> goals Quagliarella score, I, I think he's still <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> Uh, Tommy, I'm sure he'll be telling us plenty about Fabio Quagliarella no tonight. Way. No way. <laughs> Let's not talk about Messi, though. No, no, <laughs> no, not Messi. This is the Serie A podcast. Let's talk about Quagliarella instead. That's fine. Um, we're going to start off with the international break now. Um, first of all, I want to get you guys' thoughts on the fact that there is an international break so close to the end of the season and right in the mix of some of the most important fixtures, you know, it feels like it doesn't quite fit in the calendar. Vittorio, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know here in the UK, people are, to, to put it politely, they're a little bit pissed off that the season is is stopped at this stage when things are starting to heat up for internationals to come in. What do you make of it all? I think everybody hates the international break, to be honest with you. And I think this is the worst. There's the one that usually is a beginning of September that uh, years ago it was like the first day of Serie A, then the international break, and then the start again, which was terrible because we just started. Why the international break? So, yeah, you know, the problem is the national team has to fit all those matches, qualification, friendly, and so on. So they have to find the date, and it's never easy. But, yeah, you know, this is pretty much the only break the Serie A has till the end of the season. So maybe for some team is positive. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I myself look forward for the football every week and, and it's quite annoying when, when it's not there. But at the same time, like you got to do it. Like If you need to qualify for, for the Euros, for the World Cup, whatever it is, like you got to do it at some point. And I think for the players as well, it, it can, can be nice maybe to kind of 
unplug, you know, the brain for a bit from from the Serie A, from the all the competition stuff, and kind of have a good time. Because I, I think I think the players have a good time when they go to the national team. You know, they're all supposedly friends, or I mean, at least some of them. And you know, matches like this against like Italy, we we, we play Finlandia, Liechtenstein. They're not as hard as well. Um, I think I think it's nice, and uh, to be fair, I don't mind it. I'm I love to watch Sampdoria, I love to watch big games, but then at the same time, I also love to get around with my friends, especially since I've been living in London now, to, to meet with my Italian friends, which I don't see very often, and just get together and watch a national team. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, for me, I'm kind of a little bit torn on this one because on the one hand, I hate the fact that there's no football and, and, you know, the weekend becomes a little bit boring. But on the other hand, I get to spend some time with, with my family, which I probably don't do enough uh, when there's football on. You know, sadly, my calendar's based around football. I'm yeah, sure it's the same for you guys. But, you absolutely. know, so now and again, it's nice to have a break. But I can also understand the frustrations, given that we're in the business end of the season now. And all of a sudden, there's, a, there's an abrupt halt. Um, but talking about internationals, of course, the Azzurri got their Euro 2020 qualification campaign off to an absolute flyer. 2-0 victory over Finland, followed by a 6-0 win uh, over Liechtenstein, meaning that Mancini's side are now sitting pretty at the top of Group J. Uh, two points clear of Greece in second, my team, incidentally. And, of course, the two will meet in June in the next qualifier. Uh, Vittorio, Stein with yourself. You know, it's been a bit of a disappointing period for Italian football in terms of the national team uh, of late. Um, but there are signs, aren't they, that Mancini's got them on the right track. Uh, what is your thoughts on that? Yes, I thought Mancini did a, a great job. It's too early to see if we're going to have those results that everybody's hoping. But at least the start is very positive. And uh, um, I wasn't so convinced about Mancini as a uh, national manager, but he's doing very well. So, yeah, he the, the biggest achievement Mancini had was the one to make finally the Italian team play a nice football. That was something very that didn't happen in the last four or five years. Even with Antonio Conte, where the team was still good, we didn't play nice football like we're doing now. So that's that's really positive. He's adding some young talent. So yeah, I think it's all going really well. Uh, we have to look forward to better tests, you know, more challenging tests before uh, giving a judgment to this national team. But at least the beginning is positive, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that was Italy's, well, the 6-0 the, the win was Italy's biggest win for 57 years. Uh, Tommy, Vittorio mentioned the word there, young, because there are a lot of young players. But one player in that squad who's not young, but continues to set things on fire is Fabio Quagliarella. You're a Sampdoria fan. You're a massive Quagliarella fan. I mean, is this guy going to just carry on breaking records forever? I mean, what do you make of it? It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any more words for him, really. He's an absolute hero. And uh, he was, to be fair, was one of the biggest reasons why I was really looking forward for these Italian games. Uh, and uh, I, I, I knew he was going to score. And I'm, I'm kind of, not, not really upset, but a little bit upset if they both came on it on penalties. Because, you know, a lot of people like to say, yeah, you know, he's scoring a lot of goals, but they're all penalties. But if you look at it, when he came on against Finland in the first game, he came on in the last 10 minutes. And he did way more than Immobile did for the whole game. I mean, sorry for Vittorio, but he did like, he hit um, um, the, the post in an incredible shoe, then uh, header as well. He did a miracle, the keeper. 
you can see there was that and he was really hungry for a goal like and and that's amazing and he uh, that's definitely deserved the start against Liechtenstein and even then before the penalty was awarded he had three i believe three four chances when again the keeper was very good and he it was really going for it and even the first um penalty that was given it was a header and it was it was, it, it kind of looked like it went over the line you know they, they didn't have to go line technology whatever uh, but then you know the, the the defender just hit it with a hand and they gave a penalty so again slightly the only thing if you have to look at the the, the only uh, bad side is that it came off a penalty and a lot of people need to like to talk and complain, uh, you know, any, any situation. But, but yeah, he broke another record. The oldest uh, player in Italy to score for a national team. Uh, not the first record that he breaks the season. And I see that everyone in the in the audience were like cheering for him. And like when he came on against Finland, like before he came on, when it was like a world big up and it was almost coming on, everyone was already cheering for him. It's, it's a bit of a national hero. And for some other fans like me, Obviously, it's an absolute hero. But I, I like Vittorio said, I really like the way the Italy team is because it's, it's a lot of young players, but it's not just young players. It's a good mix. If you look at the at the, the lineup for the first game against Finland, for example, there was a lot of youngsters: Keane, uh, Barella, which scored, uh, Bernardeschi is still a youngster, Donnarumma, uh, Biraghi. You know, but then at the same time, there was also some some older players like Chiellini, Bonucci, uh, you know, even Jorginho, which is not super young anymore, same yeah, for Immobile. And then the second game, there was Quagliarella there and, um, you know, uh, again, Jorginho, Sirigu, but then a lot of young. So I think it's a good mix and Mancini is finding a good balance. And I think it's very beneficial, especially for young players like Keane, for example, to play next to Quagliarella and see his movements, his hunger for goal, his experience. It can only benefit him and make him a better player. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned that Quagliarella broke the record oldest player to score for the Italian national team at 36 years and 54, and 54 days. 54 days. <laughs> That's right. Um, Vittorio, Quagliarella, you know, Mancini's been speaking about him after the game and he said that he won't rule him out of the Euro 2020 squad. Now, given that he's 36 years of age and, you know, Mancini's made the point that he is here on merit and that's absolutely right. But is that a bit of an unrealistic expectation to expect this guy to continue for another two years at this level and then sort of for Italy to pin not all their hopes, but, you know, to rely on him in a tournament of that size? Well, I, I don't think he's going to be the starting striker. Uh, so this changed a lot of things. I, I think he's trusting Keane to keep improving and be the starter with Immobile maybe playing near, near to him. And Quagliarella can be, you know, the players that maybe come in in the last 10, 15 minutes if the situation is complicated and maybe can fix it. Um, let's not forget that uh, if going forward, players are, uh, you can see Cristiano Ronaldo, they're so professional that these days they are able to keep the level high even, you know, when they're 34, 35, 36. So uh, we have to see how Quagliarella can do. Uh, but, you know, even playing with Sampdoria, he's not forced to uh, play 100% during the season so he can sort of control himself. Uh, how, how often have we seen players... Uh, near to the a big competition like the Euros or the World Cup, a little bit slowing down in the during the season in the Serie A, in the league, when, you know, everything is out of achieve and they have to uh, keep themselves 
fit for the for the Euros. So I think if Quayarella is able, uh, he's going to do. It's going to be difficult to predict now, but I, I don't see why it cannot happen. Yeah, I mean, Tommy, moving on to Keane, who we've spoken about, Vittorio has mentioned him a couple of times as well. Um, there's really high hopes for him in Italy, isn't there? Uh, do you think that he, this guy is the real deal? You know, in a couple of years' time, for example, can you see him being ready to start as the main man up front for Italy? I've seen some bits and pieces of him. Admittedly, I haven't watched many games where he's featured uh, for a long period of time, but there's certainly something about this kid, isn't there? Well, yeah, he's definitely a great player. Like, we, we can all agree on that. Uh, I really like the fact as well that he... Is, you know, he can play as a striker, but he can also play as a kind of a winger. So, he, you know, he can do both of the, both the roles quite well. And that's very good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think he's going to have a great future in front of him. However, it, we know that media loves to praise a youngster, you know. And, I mean, I don't want to jinx it to him or anything. But we've seen in, in the past that so many young players... At his age, they were doing well. They broke some records, you know, and, the, and everyone thought they were going to be the new Inzaghi, the new Shevchenko, the new uh, Crespo, the new, you know, they always say they always love to do this. And then it didn't turn out the way. For example, Balotelli, which, I mean, he still had a, a great career, and don't get me wrong, but everyone thought he could become one of the best in the world, one of the best Italian strikers ever, or even Al Sharawi, which, I mean, again, he's doing good, he's at Roma, but everyone thought he could become, you know, incredible. Or even, like, I mean, I remember, like, Kiko Makeda, do you remember? It was Man United, and Ferguson thought it was incredible. He came to Sampdoria, I played awful, and I was in Serie B, and many, 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 many more examples. So I think he, uh, the, the way the media praises youngsters is not very healthy for them because yeah. you really need to be down to earth and, like, keep working hard and don't get spoiled. And nowadays, especially, it's very hard to get spoiled for the big salaries that you get, for the big media talks around you, for people like Mino Raiola, which is obviously one of the best at his jobs, but he's also very good at like ruining his people <laughs> or fame. So again, he's a great player. He's got you know, a good future in front of him. He's playing with players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Manzukic in, in the national team, Immobile and Quagliarella, which again, it can only benefit him. I think it's really up to him. I, I was going to handle this pressure I was going to handle all these expectations. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I think he will, he will probably need to leave Juve because he's, he's, I don't think he's going to start for Juve for at least a few years, obviously, because, you know, Juve, Cristiano Ronaldo, they might get Cardi, or who knows who they're going to get. So it's not going to start for them. So I think for him, it would be nice to leave, uh, go to a maybe mid-tire team, like maybe Ferentino or even Sampdoria. Like if, when Quagliarello will retire, I would love to have a player like him, or even like next to him next year, you know, if the Frel, I mean, we're not going to keep the Frel anyway. So, yeah, I think Sandor would be a good team for him, or Fiorentina, or a team like that. And, and yeah, I think he definitely has the potential to become one of the best. Uh, Vittorio, what about Mario Balotelli? Because this is a guy who had so much promise, so much potential. He came to the Premier League for a little while as well, worked, of course, under Mancini at Manchester City. Is there any way back for him in the Italy setup? Because he seems to be scoring goals now in France with Marseille. Uh, you know, famously, he's been taking selfies in his goal celebrations, which yeah. is just so Mario Balotelli, isn't it? But can you see him forcing his way back into the reckoning here and getting back in and amongst the Italian squad? Yes, I think he can. And the fact that there's Mancini as his manager, it's, it's a big factor for him. It's very positive. But... He has to 
deserve it. And uh, now he's scoring, but let's not forget how the season started. So, uh, again, uh, as Tommy was saying, uh, everybody was praising Balotelli five, six years ago. Uh, it looks like the biggest thing Italy have, the biggest player Italy have. Uh, unfortunately, these days is not only talent. If you are a very talented player, still you can not get anywhere. Uh, it's being very, very professional, like Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, everybody can say that Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi are the best players of the world, but Messi had the talent. Cristiano had to work out and become uh, as good as he is now. So uh, Balotelli is not doing that. He has um, talent, but you have to train. You have to work hard to keep keep it up and improve day after day. He's not doing it. So uh, I think he has the talent, and if he if he works hard, he's going to be there, especially because his relationship with Mancini, but he has to work hard. And this is the same thing that Keane has to do. And on this point, I don't agree that much with Tommy. I, I would, If I would Keane, I would try to find my way in, in Juventus. And I think um, uh, that maybe next year he's going to play more because Mandzukic has just renewed his contract, but he's not very young. I don't think he's going to be able to play all that matches. And maybe Keane can start playing near Cristiano Ronaldo and improve. And why I'm saying this? Because playing for Juventus, it's a big responsibility. And it's not like playing with Lazio, Sampdoria, etc. So every match is very important. Every match you have to turn on and, and play at, at your maximum level. And like this, you become a real champion. You become a difference maker. And Keane now has to prove it. Uh, you were saying, I, I didn't see that many matches of Keane. Yeah, of course. He started three matches this year. <laughs> and one was in Coppa Italia, you know. So uh, last year, Verona was really, really curious because it was, everybody already was talking about Keane. I think when he was in Primavera, they were already talking about him. And I don't know if you remember, guys, he missed the penalty. When was it? At the semifinal of the, of the Primavera Cup, something like that? Yeah, yeah. And, and everybody was talking, ah, he's another Balotelli, you know, big talent. And then look what he did. He did the Panenka penalty and, and the keeper stand still and, and blocked it. And um, I don't remember if Juventus lost, etc. But big rumors about that. Verona as well. He played terrific matches and he didn't turn on and play sometimes. So uh, I think he has to play with a big team so he understands that every single match is important. Every single match you have to play, you have to play top football. I think he has the talent. He has the physique. So, let yeah, he has to prove to be a Juventus player because if you're a Juventus player, then you can play with a national team. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And a couple of other bits to touch on from the international break before we move on uh, to look ahead at uh, the Week 29 fixtures. Cristiano Ronaldo picked up a, a knock. Uh, he's saying, isn't he, in the headline, it was a headline today, I think, in Tuto Sport, he said, Ajax, I'll be there. Uh, so, I mean, he's obviously pretty confident that he's going to make it. Tommy, uh, you know, is this just Ronaldo sort of giving himself hope? But he seems to me like the kind of guy that even if he wasn't 100% fit, he'd make sure he's available. Oh, yeah, for sure. I read something on Twitter the other day that was like, oh, Ronaldo just faked an injury so then he can come at the last minute to Ajax and, and be the hero. <laughs> Which obviously, you know, I, I, obviously, I don't believe it. But yeah, um, it, it's quite unfortunate for him. But at the same time, 
it couldn't gone, you know, it couldn't be worse. It could have been much worse, and it could have missed the game against Ajax. Like you said, he will never miss the Ajax game. He will never miss a Champions League game because he loves to prove that he's the best. And Champions League obviously is the biggest stage to prove it. So yeah, even if he's not fit, he will definitely um, start or playing the game. And it probably makes a difference, even even if it's not 100. percent I mean, we we all know how what an incredible player he is, and and you know Juventus definitely need that. Keane is but, amazing, of course, but in the Champions League game, you need Ronaldo. Yes, Tommy. Sorry. So, Tommy, sorry, but if I'm Allegri, I, I don't play Cristiano Ronaldo if he's not 100 fit. Don't you agree? Yeah, with for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, the risk that he gets injured again and he miss one or two months. I think. I think, uh, and I don't know if you agree with me, that Juventus can still beat Ajax even without Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. I'm too yeah, optimistic. Yeah. Or? No, yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, we're just saying that he will, I mean, he could probably make it even to the game before Ajax, but he will not play that for sure because he wants to make sure that he's ready for Ajax. You know what I mean? Definitely. If he's not 100%, he's not going to start. But even if it's 80%, I think he will start. And I think Allegri doesn't really have a saying. Ronaldo says, I want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's not much you can do. That is an interesting point, and I, I agree with that. I think Ronaldo is calling the shots. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's why a manager is paid that money, right? He has to make the tough decision, and I can understand saying to Cristiano Ronaldo, "You're not playing today in the Champions League." It's pretty hard, but at the end of the day, you have to make the decision that's best for the team and not for the player. So, you know, thinking about how important Cristiano Ronaldo is, and I, I still believe, honestly, that Juventus can beat Ajax even without Cristiano Ronaldo. I think it's a tough decision to make from Allegri, but if I'm Allegri, I probably, if the doctor doesn't say, trust me, there's no concern if he plays, I don't play him, honestly. And maybe... Yeah, but- But sorry to interrupt you. But like, one thing about Ronaldo, that I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Ronaldo, and I think you guys know it. But really? one thing that you gotta give, <laughs> one thing that you gotta give to him is that an incredible professional guy, and he really, really look after his body, and he really knows his body. That's what he said in the past, and I think it's true. So I think he will, he will be able to say even without the doctor say, you know, that if he can start or not. And I mean, especially this season, the Messi is breaking every record. He needs, he needs to play. He needs to catch up, you know. Yeah, I mean, time will tell on, on, on that one and, and how that will unfold. Another player who uh, deserves a mention from this international break is Milan's Paqueta, who went to play for Brazil, I believe. Tommy, is that for the first time? He played for the, uh, for the, with the number 10 for the first time. Okay. Uh, which is obviously a big deal for Brazil. Uh, I mean, for every team, I guess, but for Brazil, you know, Pele and other Ronaldinho and other incredible players wore it. And I think he, he, he did great. Like, the, the goal was very nice. It was it was such a, a Paqueta goal, I would say. I mean, he didn't score that many to, to get a name for it, but, you know, playing like as a Mezzala, as a CM in, in the midfield, we, we know, we saw in Milan that he loved to get into the action. He loves to get in the box and there's a cross or whatever. And that's what he did. And his goal, to be fair, it reminded me a lot of the goal that he scored. Uh, I don't remember against who, but his first goal with Milan was, was quite similar, to be fair. So, yeah, fair play to the guy. So, it was a well-deserved, uh, a well-deserved selection, Vittorio. Do you agree? Well, he, he has been, I don't want to say the surprise because Milan paid him a lot, but how often did we see Brazilian players coming maybe in January and struggle to adapt to the Serie A football? It's a different world from 
Brazilian football, etc. So it's never very easy to adapt. Instead, he came in and it looks like he was playing uh, Italian football since he was five. So yeah, yeah. he was. That was really surprising for me. And uh, so you know, this could be a very important signing for for AC Milan, and he's proving everybody that he's a great player. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with Tony. I, I, it was a quite surprise for me as well. I expected to to take way longer than it did to to adapt. I definitely agree with that. So we're all pleasantly surprised then, all of us. Yeah. Um, let's look ahead right uh, to week 29's fixtures, which is this coming weekend. Uh, just going to quickly run the fixtures of Bologna, Sassuolo, Chievo versus Cagliari, Fiorentina versus Torino, Frosinone versus Spal, Inter versus Lazio, Juve versus Empoli, Parma versus Atalanta, Roma versus Napoli, that's a huge one, and Sampdoria versus Milan, another big one, and of course, uh, Udinese host Genoa. So there's lots of really, really interesting fixtures this weekend, and I've, I've just picked a select few, um, and what we're going to do is we're just going to run through, uh, get your guys' thoughts on those fixtures, and, and we're going to get some predictions. This is the first time on Simply uh-huh. Serie A, we're going to take some predictions, And next week, we're going to look back at these predictions and see just uh, how much of Italian football experts you guys are. I don't expect to get any right, but I expect you to. What do we win? (laughs) That I'll have to decide in the week. (laughs) Uh, Right. Let's start with Inter versus Lazio. Vittorio's team, of course. Uh, Vittorio, how do you see this one going? Inter have confirmed now that Stefan de Vrij will probably miss the game. Um, can Inter build on the victory over Milan or, or will the, the international break have disrupted their momentum? Well, we don't know. And even last year was playing great before the international break. So we'll see who lost the momentum there. It's funny to note that De Vrij is going to miss the third match against Lazio this season. He have never played against Lazio. And he, uh, this is the 10th match he's going to miss and three of them were against Lazio. This is unbelievable. <laughs> it's really, I don't know the stats, but it's really very hard to, to achieve to get this result. It's going to be a very difficult match. I think a draw could be the most, uh, the, the final result, maybe one all. Um, Icardi starts training with the, with the team. I don't think he's going to start. I don't know if he's going to be called for this match, but there's positive sign there. Um, I think Lazio's playing better, but Inter have won the derby, so they're very fired up. So I think a draw could be the the best result. It won't help either teams, but I think that's the most uh, possible result for the match. Tommy, how do you see this one going? All right, I'm not, I'm not going to start copying Vittorio and everyone as well, but I was really thinking of one all as well. I think it's more, I agree with him, it's a more realistic result. For the for the for the reason they said that we're both in a, in a in a in a good you know good form, good momentum and, and yeah realistically I think a draw would be would be the thing about the ride very quick I've I read someone Brian on Twitter the other day that you know he said I mean I, I don't think I don't think it's true but he said that the ride has like a a secret thing in the contract when he signed for for Inter that he cannot play against Lazio <laughs> and like kind of pretend there's injuries every time I mean I don't know it's just, it's just funny but yeah well, I'm, uh, wow <laughs> yep well in the first leg he, he wasn't injured Spalletti didn't play him because he yeah. said he couldn't play and because the Stadio Olimpico will all whistle him and uh, maybe he could make a mistake like, like he did uh, uh, last season in Lazio Inter where he gave the penalty to Icardi oh my god <laughs> that must have been awful for you <laughs> 
Yeah, oh. let's not talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, right, so you're both going for a draw on this one. I'm going to write these down, actually, uh, so we can have a look back at them uh, oh. next time around, of course. Guys, there's no pressure, by the way. Uh, it's just a bit of fun, but of course... I will be pulling you up if you're way off the mark. Uh, Tommy, the next one, Sampdoria versus Milan. Your team, Sampdoria, of course. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, and, and, of course, your prediction for it. Right, this is a, a very tough one. <laughs> because I would say that I have a feeling that we can make it. We can actually make it. Um, and Milan, obviously, they were coming from five five uh, wins in a row. Then they, they lost to the Derby. But um, they had time now to, to, to kind of recover. Not too many of their players went on international break. Only Donnarumma, uh, Romagnoli and uh, Paqueta uh, and Rodriguez. So not too many. Uh, and Piatek as well, sorry. But uh, Suso, Chalanoglu, Bakayoko, Kessi, like there was a lot of players that they're, they're going to start against us that didn't go in the, in the international break. And that's good for them. Um, so they're definitely going to... They, they won that fourth place, but we want to be in Europe and we're at home and uh, um, I know that a lot a lot of uh, fans are going to turn up to the, it's going to be sold out um, so I don't know I, but at the same time as I always say every episode basically Sampdoria is that kind of team that I it's there when whenever it's there and you need that extra little step to be kind of you know to, to quite make it then we always fail so this could be potentially be the case and looking at the lineup we were having a bit of problems with injuries. Uh, it looks like Ramirez is going to start again because in Sampdoria we have two uh, trequartisti, which is Ramirez and Sabonara. And John Paolo loves to play either of them. Uh, but we didn't have any of them for the past two games, so he started the Frau as a trequartista, as a CIM. And he actually played very well. With Sassuolo, he played very well. He scored, he didn't assist. Uh, so, I don't know. The headlines are saying that Ramirez is going to start, even though he hasn't played for three weeks. So, that, that is a big concern for me so I, w- I will i will make uh the frail start really over him um so that's a bit of a concern for me but i think i think we can make it and I, i'm gonna be a bit ambitious here uh and i'm gonna go for the 2-1 that's what i like to hear that's what i like to hear vittorio <laughs> uh, your, your Never thoughts have, but... <laughs> uh, well a little bit agree with tommy i think uh Gianpaolo is a better manager than gattuso and he can find ways to trick uh ac milan uh he he's very offensive mind manager he's a smart manager and i think he's better than gattuso so you know he can find a way to to create problems to gattuso like like spalletti did at the derby so that's why i think Sampdoria can be very dangerous and maybe you know quagliarella after the performance with the national team is so fired up that he's going to be unstoppable against milan so i think it's a very tough match and as i said in the last podcast this is a match where you can really feel if a manager is good enough. And so it's going to be a, a nice test for, for Gattuso. And uh, if Piontek doesn't score, and he didn't score in the last match with Poland, um, it, it can be tough for AC Milan to win this match. So um, I would say 2-1 for Sampdoria, but I can see even a draw. <laughs> so so, so which, one, know, I, which one are you going for then? Are you going for the 2-1 uh, or the draw? The 2-1, yeah. let's go. Okay, 2-1. Right, noted. Moving on, uh, Roma versus Napoli. Can Ranieri get it right? Uh, you know, how will Napoli approach this? Do they have an eye firmly fixed on the Europa League now? Tommy, your thoughts on this one at the Olimpico? Um, well, this is not a tough one, right? Because we, we said in the past episode that Napoli is not really playing for anything else, while Roma is really playing for, for the full sport. But... Um, 
I'm a bit confused, really, like how, how, what, what Brom was going to do from here to from the from here to, to the end of the season. And I saw that Ashrawi got injured as well, which uh, is quite a bummer. And now I saw that they're going to play with a four-four-two that Ranieri loves, and we we didn't really uh, we didn't really talk good about it. Uh, Perotti is going to start in Zaniolo as a, as a you know kind of. Um, you know, kind of wingers in the four-four-two, but Perotti never played that in his career because he, uh, he from Genoa was playing for four-four-four-three-three, so it was for Roma and even before Genoa, so he literally never played that. So I don't know how he's going to do. Really, I don't know how well he's going to do the defensive side. So again, I don't have much much hope on Roma, and I think Napoli is still going to take this home quite comfortably. And I say two-two-nil for for Napoli. Yeah. Okay, Vittorio, your thoughts on this one? Your city rivals, of course, Roma. Uh, Claudio Ranieri hasn't had a great time so far. How do you see this one panning out? Yes, it's true. But every time Napoli play against Roma, they struggle. Every time, even last year, they was favourite and, and, and they was able to lose. So it, it's never easy. I don't know why for Napoli playing against Roma. And even now, yes, if Sharao is out, Florence is out. So Ranieri will have to find some solution. But I don't think it's going to be easy for Napoli um, to win this. Uh, Napoli is not playing amazing football. Um, there have been some, some players ill, right? They have fever <laughs> and uh, uh, the Poland national team had some players uh, in, yeah. getting fever thanks to Milik. So uh, we have to see who's going to play. That's, that's the most important thing. But I don't think it's going to be that easy for Napoli. I can see Roma maybe uh, achieving a draw, you know, one, one all because... Well, Olsen is a terrible goalkeeper. Again, he made <laughs> three terrible mistakes uh, with the national team yesterday. So I, I cannot see Napoli not scoring. But on the other side, yeah, you know, it, it depends how uh, how Roma plays. But I think they can achieve a draw, one all. Okay, one all. Interesting. My predictions on the three, and I'm going to give mine as well. You know, not that anybody's interested, but I'll give yeah. them anyway. Uh, I'm going to go for Inter one, Lazio nil. Um, I'm okay. going to go for Sampdoria 1, Milan 2. Um, okay. And I'm going to go for Roma 1, Napoli 1. So those are my three predictions. Uh, we'll see if any of them come to fruition. Who knows? Uh, you never know, I suppose. Right, let's look at some other news stories uh, before we wrap it up. Um, now, I was reading something today about the San Siro, uh, an, icon- uh, sorry, an iconic stadium in the, in the European football scene. And I understand that Milan and Inter have agreed to demolish the San Siro, which has sparked all sorts of controversy in the city with politicians warning that they will look to force some sort of referendum uh, on the subject. And, and if they get a certain amount of signatures, they can do that. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys want to shed a little bit more light. I don't know if I've explained that well enough. Vittorio, what is going on with the San Siro? And how could they even think about knocking down such an iconic stadium? Well, this is just an idea. I don't think it's not their property. So they have to talk with before with the mayor of, of Milan, I believe, before doing this. Uh, but yeah, biggest discussion these days in Italy is uh, build new stadium, property stadium of the clubs. And uh, uh, we know what's happening in Rome. And Inter and Milan are both thinking about building the stadium. So they started thinking, building a stadium. But then where do they build them? And then they thought, well, uh, let's let's work together. I think Elliot suggested to, to use the San Siro and uh, spare them, you know, Inter and Milan playing at the same stadium like uh, it's happening in Munich. Um, 
but they said it, San Siro has to be rebuilt completely because it's not a modern stadium anymore. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm honestly not very convinced about that. Uh, those stadium has to uh, be like that, you know. Yeah, you can change it a little bit, but the San Siro has to be the state the San Siro. I, I don't know how it's going to how it's going to move on from there. I, I I don't see it happening honestly. So I'm not convinced. I think it's just the rumors, just talking to to maybe achieve. Okay, we're not going to use the San Siro. We're going to build a stadium near there, but you have to concede this lands to us i think that's what's going to happen i hope they don't knock it down because for me and i've always said this to friends and the san siro is for me the greatest football stadium i've ever been to um i was fortunate enough to be there when arsenal beat inter by five goals to one do you remember that night Thierry Henry hat trick um you know for me it's an it's an amazing place and i don't ever want to see it change. I love the fact that it's old. I love the fact that it's traditional. Uh, uh, Tommy, where do you think this situation is going to end up? Uh, it's tough to say. Yeah. I, I agree with Dittorio. Uh, first of all, yeah, what he said is very, very, very important. San Siro is not property of yeah, Mil- yeah. either Milan or Inter. So they can propo- they can have an idea. They can propose their, their plan to, to, to the you know, government and stuff. But uh, ultimately, it's not their decision. It would be such a shame. It would be because I, I understand... But now every team wants to have a you know a new stadium, you know modern infrastructures and stuff that helps you know in the revenue. We see what's what's going on you know especially here in the in the Premier League like you know Arsenal built there quite recently, Spurs just built their new one and apparently uh, I mean apparently I, I, I was at the at the launch event so it's actually very nice and. Everyone is looking for it to, to make a new stadium, and uh, but at the same time, like it's 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 so sad. Like, everyone saying San Siro, I think everyone, every single Italian fans, even if you don't support Inter Milan, has a great memory there. Whether it's your team doing something there, or the national team, or even like I remember when I was a kid and I saw Milan beating Man United three 0 there, and it was it was one of the best games I've ever seen with Kaká and Seydorf and stuff. So there's so many memories there. It would be such a shame to, to demolish it. And it's, it's tough to say, man. Like, I saw that there's other teams, like Barcelona, for example, that they have the company, which is an old stadium as well, and they're not going to demolish it, but they are going to invest a lot of money or making it yeah. completely new. So, I don't know, maybe that could be a solution. Is that something you can do with San Siro? I don't know. But I really hope it's not going to... Even if they don't want to play in that anymore, even if they want to buy, to build a new stadium... I think San Siro should be there at least for the national team or for other kind of events or even concerts and stuff. It's it's such an iconic place. It would be almost like demolish the Colosseum, you know. Yeah, I mean, w- what I struggle to understand is if these two clubs, you know, obviously they hate each other and nobody really wants to share a stadium with their biggest rivals. Why have they sort of ganged up and got to this idea of of knocking it down? I would have thought that Milan and Inter would have wanted to go on and build their own grounds. Vittorio, is am I way off the mark here? But I just think that well, that makes more sense, does it not? Well, that was the original plan, but uh, we didn't mention that building a new stadium costs a lot of money. And yeah. uh, all clubs try to save money. You're an Arsenal fan. You remember how much Arsenal had to pay for build the new stadium and what happened in the transfer market the years afterwards. Absolutely. So... <laughs> so I'm still not over it. (laughs) You see, so building the stadium together, obviously, it costs cost. You know, you're going to pay a half of it. I'm going to pay the other half of it. So that makes sense. And yes, 
the rivalry is not that big. I mean, Milan Inter fans hate Juventus much more than Milan, and, and the same way around. So um, they can live together. I, I, the thing is, if you have to build a stadium outside the city, no one's going to go. So San Siro, it's, it's probably the bef, be, perfect space to, to build it. But I think instead of bringing it down, just improve the stadium at the moment and make it better. It's already one of the best Italian stadiums, so you don't have to do that much. And um, the capacity, I don't think both Inter and Milan need a stadium so big to fill it up every time. Yeah. So, you know, you can make it a modern stadium and keep it like that. Absolutely, absolutely. There's lots of uh, of options on the table. I just, you know, I, I read the story and just I saw the words San Siro and demolish, and that, you know, <laughs> that got me going straight away. Uh, but guys, just before we wrap up, I want to announce uh, the winner of our competition. We've been running a competition for a couple of weeks now uh, for a fantastic gift, which has been donated by the North Curve. You can find them on Twitter at the North Curve. And what it is, is it's a retro Juventus pillow. And I'm sure you guys have seen it on our Twitter. It's our pinned tweet. Thank you to every single one of you who entered. There was lots of entrance. But the winner is Luca Santoro from London. So, Luca, I'll be reaching out to you to get a delivery address and you'll be receiving that directly uh, from the North Curve. So uh, thanks for playing and, and I hope you enjoy your prize. Now, we've come to the end of, of this week's episode of Simply Serie A, uh, a slightly shorter one, but given there was no Serie A action, uh, it makes perfect sense in my opinion. Uh, Tommy, do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me. Um, so my personal Twitter again is Tommy Nantemin. Uh, if you if you go there now, you probably see a lot of Quayera uh, edits, <laughs> pictures, uh, love hearts, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, and and yeah, to follow my work again, Nantemin or every social media for daily uh, content around football, Premier League, and international football and women's football as well. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And uh, Vittorio, do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you and how they can check out your new YouTube channel? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Vittorio Campa. Uh, Facebook, uh, just dial Vittorio Campanile and you'll find my Facebook page and my new YouTube channel in English about Lazio and Italian football. Again, you type Vittorio Campanile and you will find me. Brilliant. And once again, we'll include the link uh, for that in the description, as well as these two gentlemen's Twitter handles, so you can find them uh, with greater ease. Uh, my thanks to you both, and I know you're both going to be sitting there biting your nails this week now, hoping that your predictions come true. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'm desperate to get one up on you guys, you know. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, until then, take care of yourselves. And uh, as they say in Italy, ciao, ciao. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.